welcome to Additive Insight, your source for discussion, news and live event coverage from around the globe on the latest design to manufacturing technologies. I'm your host, Laura Griffiths, Deputy Group Editor at TCT Magazine, and today we'll be bringing you an interview with a true additive manufacturing pioneer and one of our first TCT Hall of Fame inductees. It is Materialize founder, Fried von Kran. In this episode, Fried talks us through 30 years of additive innovation from the moment he realised the technology would signal a paradigm shift to becoming a leading provider of software and meaningful applications. This interview was recorded over Skype just as many of us around the world commence working from home to help curb the coronavirus pandemic. And while that means you may have to excuse the sound quality on this particular episode just a little bit, it did give us the chance to pose some questions to Freed about how the 3D printing industry has come out in force to help. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, you can listen to the podcast on a variety of platforms, subscribe for your free print magazine, and get the latest AM news delivered straight to your inbox every week by visiting tctmagazine.com. I was working as a research engineer at the Belgium Center of Metal Manufacturing Engineering Mm -hmm. and came in contact with, uh, first of all, the launch of uh, the first 3D printers from 3D Systems Mm -hmm. at RSNA, sorry, not at Autofact of uh, 1988. Uh, And immediately I, I got interested and Half a year later, approximately, I saw the first printer in Europe, in Germany, at uh, in in Bremen, mm-hmm. and that is the moment that I really got a click. This is a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. This is not uh, a milling machine or a turning machine on which a computer has been placed to control it. This is a manufacturing technology that is designed to be controlled mm-hmm. by a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with my experience in, in economic justification at that time of flexible manufacturing cells, CNC machines and so on, I, I knew that uh, the industry was waiting for something more simple mm-hmm. uh, that could produce more shapes in a, in a more flexible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and. That's why I decided first to talk with my boss at the research center um, to try to get such a machine in our research center. And he said, we have no budget. Uh, So then I, it came down to the fact that I did some market analysis and that we found that there could be a market for it. And that together with my wife, we decided to, to set up a company and start our own business providing services with this first printer from 3D system. And so was it quite difficult in the beginning then to convince people that this was going to be a worthwhile future technology? Well, I must say that uh, people were quite open for the concept from from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Actually, I did a market study by fax uh, in uh, 1990 (laughs) uh, or 19. 89 um, and I sent it I still remember I sent it out to, to 75 companies and, and 45 or so responded uh, and were intrigued by the idea uh, which is a very a very high response rate of course for a, a market study mm-hmm. um, but the the reality was that uh, yeah the 
the environment was totally not ready. <laughs> the, there were hardly any real 3D CAD systems. Mm -hmm. CAD was at that time mostly not automated uh, computer-assisted design, but computer-assisted drawing mm -hmm. uh, in 2D. And, uh, and that was a major hurdle which led us immediately to the necessity to develop software in order to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. And you have previously described additive manufacturing as this slow revolution. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that and if that is changing at all or is that more of a constant theme? I'm afraid it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's constant. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, we are used uh, today uh, to the exciting stories of those internet startups that have this kind of excellent exponential growth in a, let's call it a virtual environment, mm -hmm. uh, but 3D printing is very much about the real thing. Yeah. Uh, it's very much about uh, products uh, that need to be manufactured, for which materials need to be developed, uh, which suffer from uh, process control challenges. Uh, and then on top of that, you also have all the logistical issues uh, that you have rolling out the scaling up of, mm -hmm. uh, of uh, yeah, physical uh, flow, uh, which is, of course, much more simple today in the digital virtual world mm -hmm. where you can scale up very quickly. And it's very interesting, as you said earlier, it's about the software and Materialize is known for being that software backbone for the AM industry, recognizing that it's not just about the actual 3D printing part, but also about all the pieces of that workflow coming together. Is that still the message that you want to get across? Um, I believe this even has a growing importance as years go by. Okay. Because when we started, we had an industry that was focused mainly on converting drawings uh, into products, mm -hmm. the rapid prototyping business. Yeah? And, and uh, today, the real manufacturing applications, they are uh, related to uh, yeah, either, for instance, uh, customized products mm -hmm. uh, that need a completely different digital chain. Mm -hmm. Uh, as we have seen in the hearing aid industry, as we see in the in the dental market, which yeah. is very successful, mm -hmm. there you have seen over the last 20 years a complete transition of the entire ecosystem from a dentist that take a scan of your mouth instead of an impression in, in silicone, from a dental lab that completely reorganized this workflow to uh, yeah, the, the printing and, and, and the manufacturing itself. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and this applies to every of those customized applications, whether in medical, dental, hearing aids, footwear, eyewear, uh, you name it. Mm -hmm. yeah? Even customized cars. But then you also have the, uh, uh, I would uh, call it large-scale uh, uh, serial applications where we all know the famous fuel nozzle of GE, mm -hmm. uh, which um, needs a different kind of software backbone that is then focused on keeping a production stable, ensuring quality, uh, making sure that every part is 
uh, if possible, fully scanned and, and analyzed that the original design data are fully comparable to the large data set that you get from a CT scanner. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of software in the background. Mm -hmm. And perhaps not TCT readers, but there will be a large number of people that perhaps don't realise additive manufacturing has been around for such a long time. And you've mentioned so many applications there, things like dental and other customised products that have become these huge areas of possibility for the technology. Can you share any big evolutions that you've seen in the technology over these last 30 years or any other real standard application areas? Uh, I think... Um, as of the year 2000, we started to to talk to the 3D printing community about some some yeah I call it laws we saw in in the evolution of the market mm -hmm. and, and the very first one is that uh, with, when you do 3D printing you grow products mm -hmm. and when you grow products the volume is extremely important mm -hmm. and one of the first things. Uh, that we have seen is that it started with very small applications, the hearing aids, the jewelry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that were the f the first two, uh, yeah, big markets where 3D printing has really been successfully spreading as a major manufacturing technology. Mm -hmm. uh, we we called it the the marble. Uh, applications and then it has grown to bigger and bigger size over dental for instance to orthopedic implants you see this this grow in growth in volume and I think this will still continue a few decades that's the first major uh, yeah let's say evolution mm -hmm. yeah, that the, the addressable markets are largely determined by the volume of the product. Yeah, a second element is, of course, that you need those, those software backbones mm -hmm. to enable the, the markets to really take off. And that was one of the major reasons why, for instance, uh, yeah, hearing aids went faster than jewelry because hearing aids was a very uh, centralized market with a limited amount of companies that could quickly adapt their backbone mm. while the dental sector is a much more uh, decentralized market with a big role of the independent dental labs the independent dentists where it is not so easy to implement such a wide digital backbone mm -hmm. as by a centrally controlled organization mm. so these these are all uh, influencing factors that determine how ready a, a certain market is for the adoption of 3D printing on a larger scale. Okay, well I'm sure we're going to talk more about applications later on, but one topic I really wanted to ask you about is sustainability, because I know it's a really big area of interest for Materialize, it's what the Materialize World Summit is going to be based on later this year, and it's something that our industry is obviously very invested in, like most other industries right now. Can you perhaps elaborate on what sustainability in additive manufacturing means from your perspective? Well, I would like to start by saying that uh, we are proud that we defined from the opening reception of Materialize our uh, mission statement that we wanted to use our know-how in 3D printing for a better and a healthier world. Mm -hmm. And actually, we see this just as an, as an extension of an evolution we have been in already for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, because sustainability is now another word to define 
that better and healthier world. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I want to uh, to say there that we fantastically appreciate that to some extent the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations, give us a framework in which we can define that better and healthier. Mm -hmm. um, and so we see sustainability along the, I call it, 17 axes of the sustainability goals. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's about the environment, but it's as much about people. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's the way we, we want to approach it. And this, yeah, global compact, the, the industry translation of, of a systematic approach to the 17 sustainability goals has been delivering us already a first framework against which we can now measure on an annual basis how we are progressing in the good direction. Mm -hmm. And Materialize has been filing official reports for the global compact since three years. Okay. So for us, it's not just about the, the buzzword sustainability. It's, it's really about a new mindset that we want in, to build into our operations in, in with a systematic approach, just like we have a quality system mm -hmm. already since the 90s. Uh, since we went to the stock market, we need to be SOX compliant and we have a kind of quality systems uh, to, to control our financial operations so that we guarantee our shareholders that we are approaching our, our business in the right way from the financial perspective. Mm -hmm. And now we are doing the same thing from a sustainability perspective. Okay. Interestingly, for additive manufacturing in particular, it's often thought of as an inherently sustainable technology in terms of manufacturing closer to the point of demand or lower inventories, reduced material usage. But there are, of course, challenges and things that we still need to address to make it a truly sustainable technology. So what are the kinds of common misconceptions or challenges, do you think, for additive when talking about sustainability? While uh, additive manufacturing has a potential to create sustainable solutions uh, simply by its nature because it's growing products uh, rather than, than uh, uh, yeah, subtractive technologies that waste a lot of materials by definition. Mm -hmm. um, it is not necessarily the case. And uh, it's important that uh, people make a knowledgeable choice uh, for sustainability. Mm -hmm. And that's also where with Materialize we, we want to, to focus on that we not just take sustainability for granted, but that we really measure uh, and that we really compare to the existing technologies uh, and that, that we make sure we, we create what I would say real uh, sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, and that is where also we want to, to, to help our customers and the 3D printing community by spreading knowledge we gain around this topic uh, in order to make sure that we are all moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I, I can give you multiple examples of, of yeah, where uh, maybe sometimes the, the current buzzwords uh, like, uh, yes, uh, stop creating inventory by additive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that is one of the, 
the, the, the, the most exaggerated claims at this very moment. Ah, Maybe in the long term it will be possible, but today in every realistic uh, scenario you come to the conclusion that additive manufacturing is only a limited percentage of what's happening in a certain industry. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the impact on inventory is on the short term really minimal. Okay. So if that's the limited impact then, where do you think the biggest and most positive impact is happening? Well, we truly believe in what we call meaningful applications. Mm -hmm. yeah? um, I, these are, yeah, where Materialize is, is, is investing in already a long time. Um, and, well, in, in, in the medical arena, uh, doing surgery the first time right, mm -hmm. thanks to planning, thanks to uh, the, the transfer of a plan uh, via printed guides and the, the delivery of a customized fitting implant, mm -hmm. that is a major step in sustainability. Mm -hmm. That is really impacting individual persons because they, uh, they prevent people that they have to undergo, for instance, multiple repeated surgeries. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there you see a significant impact in cost. First of all, of course, in suffering for the patient. Mm -hmm. if, if you need to go, uh, have a new hip surgery every five to ten years, uh, it's a completely different story than when your problem is solved for for uh, the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, but that also means a lot for the healthcare systems uh, that that can have serious cost reductions. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, at this moment, I do think that a lot of the impact will coming, be coming from these meanings, meaningful applications. I mentioned uh, a medical one, but we, we see similar ones in, in uh, for instance, production lines. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I mentioned that I, I don't believe in big inventory reductions, mm -hmm. but uh, I do believe that uh, redesigning some spare parts by actually much better parts uh, that can be produced thanks to 3D printing can have serious impacts and, and we have particular examples that cost of production lines or what production of con, uh, production lines or energy of uh, production of energy consumption of production lines mm -hmm. goes drastically down thanks to the redesign of a few components with additive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. That is where the large impact is is located on 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 short notice. And you've just mentioned a key phrase there that I wanted to talk to you about today, meaningful applications. And of course, Materialize is very focused on pushing those meaningful applications. So how do you go about identifying such applications and, and helping people to understand where the technology really adds value? Well, uh, uh, we strongly believe in the concept of co-creation. Mm -hmm. uh, Materialize in, uh, at its heart, uh, yeah, we are innovators you can count on that's our tagline mm -hmm. that describes the attitude of our people and uh, we like to interact with our customers see how we can help them with 3d printing to improve their products to improve their processes mm -hmm. um, 
because don't forget, uh, even if you look at the statistics of Terry Wallace, for instance, one of the biggest markets is uh, for 3D printing is business machines, business processes, production processes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we believe that together with uh, uh, with those companies, we can really make improvements to their to their uh, product offering that that create this win-win between yeah the custom, the end customer of those companies and the company itself, so that can reduce its cost mm -hmm. uh, and and increase its throughput. Yeah? And the same is of course. Uh, through in, in the sectors that are mostly known for 3D printing, such as uh, medical devices, aerospace, and so on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up co-creation then, because I wanted to highlight Materialize's efforts with collaboration. I remember going to the Materialize World Summit a couple of years back, and co-creation was the big theme there. But it's also important to communicate AM's role in the larger manufacturing landscape. Can you speak about where the technology fits in within that bigger picture? Well, uh, first of all, we I, I want to mention still the use of rapid prototyping mm -hmm. as, a, as a major tool to improve uh, a lot of product design. Mm -hmm. But of course, for the 3D printing industry itself, the shift to using uh, 3D printing as a manufacturing technology is extremely important to develop its own potential mm -hmm. because the market for manufacture is so many times bigger than the market for prototyping. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, if we then talk about manufacturing, we have to admit that uh, we have to uh, create those digital chains, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the digital backbone we, we have already talked a few times about earlier. Uh, and, and that means that, uh, for instance, to uh, make a, a really successful customization exercise in the shoeware industry with uh, 3D printing, you have to start from the shoe shop. You have to install systems there that measure the foot mm -hmm. uh, and that can carry their data through the entire supply chain up to the <coughs> end manufacturer. Yeah, so that's uh, that's one line. Yeah, uh, on top, we need to control the three D printing process itself better, mm -hmm. because everybody who's familiar with the industry and who is a little bit honest about it knows that we are currently seeing scrap rates that are in the order of magnitude. I would say between three for very good applications to 10%. Wow. And that is not acceptable in mm -hmm. a production environment. There mm -hmm. you have to be far below 1% if you really want to have uh, cost-effective and sustainable production uh, environments. Mm -hmm. So that means that we still need to build a lot of stability. And this stability can, for a large extent, come from better simulation and preparation but also from better process controls and each of those words hides software mm -hmm. inside mm -hmm. yeah so this is this is what's really important okay 
Now, we couldn't really chat this week without addressing the current situation that our world finds itself in. We are, of course, living in challenging times at the moment. We're speaking via Skype right now, practicing social distancing amid the coronavirus crisis. You've shared that Materialize is a company that has very much got the ethos of using additive to build a healthier world. And many figures in the AM industry right now are seeing this pandemic as something the technology can really help with. What are your thoughts on the role that additive manufacturing can play in our current situation? Well, uh, I, I have multiple ways to answer this, but the role is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will immediately come to how we see that at Materialize, but... Uh, the European Commission even uh, has launched multiple requests to the 3D printing industry to start supporting the, the medical devices, the healthcare workers, and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, at, at Materialize, uh, we ourselves, uh, for instance, were exactly eight days ago uh, preparing with our um, health and safety engineer, uh, the, the, the yeah, transformation of our normal activities mm-hmm. into uh, Corona-style operation where you have to operate in shifts where the minimum amount of people need to be at the office and so on. Right. And, and uh, we discovered, for instance, that if we went in shifts, that... Uh, we needed to make sure that one shift could not contaminate the other shift. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we discovered, well, it's very important that we get uh, the building cleaned in between two shifts uh, and that we especially clean the, the, yeah, the handrails, the, all all the common spaces, the toilets, the uh, handles of the doors. Mm -hmm. And then we, we analyzed what our options were in a very systematic risk analysis uh, for the different uh, components. And then we saw our biggest problems are the door handles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is why we said, let's try to solve it that people don't have to touch the door handles anymore mm-hmm. with, uh, um, with their hands. And the same day, our engineers started to design multiple concepts uh, to to open the doors by your arm rather than your hands, yeah? and and yeah, when we had those concepts printed on Friday, the next day we decided yeah, that this is so important, it works well. We are going to share it with the global com- community. Mm-hmm. So on on Saturday uh, we developed explanatory materials. We developed. Uh, some some warning signs, pictograms, and so on. And on Sunday, we we exported it to, to 180,000 contacts all over around the globe of our of our uh, uh, yeah software users, medical uh, users in hospitals, in yeah. companies. And yeah, I think you see today that that this approach is being promoted by health and safety engineers. Uh, health and safety engineering associations all over the world. Mm -hmm. And that is just eight days ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, This shows how how, how quickly, thanks to 3D printing, you can design and scale up a solution. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And today we know that our our file has been downloaded already a few 10,000 times and can be printed on many printers around the world for local communities. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fantastic illustration of the strength of distributed manufacturing uh, and and the strength of the 3D printing community. Mm-hmm. You're right, I've seen the file downloaded and printed several times already on places like LinkedIn and various other social media sites. I think it was the Mayo Clinic actually that I saw a 3D printed a few of them. So it's definitely something that people are picking up and printing for themselves. Um, what do you think of a lot of initiatives that we're seeing from 3D printing companies and users volunteering to make things like respiratory devices and ventilators? Um, well, I, I find it a very good initiative, uh, but for every initiative, you you have to think very much about the relevance. Eh? Um, <clears throat> so we cannot develop a ventilator in a week. Mm-hmm. So we it's very important that those spending efforts in it have the co- have the contacts to the right companies that have the experience about uh, ventilators, so that they can focus on a few parts that are um, yeah, essential for those ventilators. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, we, we must uh, see our role there in a good way. The advantage of the handles was that uh, yeah, it's, it's a much more simple product uh, and it can be printed on all kinds of printers, also the, the smallest and the most simple ones, mm-hmm. and it could spread fast because everybody needs it at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for for the medical equipment, um, I hope that that yeah the the right companies are doing it so that it, that it can be done in in a safe and a scalable way. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not something for for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then we come again to the meaningful. Huh? Meaningful also means that that you focus on the right uh, applications, and and that's the challenge in many 3D printing applications because at first view everything is possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once you move from a concept to a real complex certified product, there is a long way to go, and people underestimate this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why yeah, it, it makes sense to have very professional engineering bureaus, very professional service bureaus involved in this, in this effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, they certainly need to do their very best. And by the way, Mater- Materialize is also participating in a few of those initiatives. But it needs to be approached in a, in a professional way. You don't want to put the healthcare workers at risk mm-hmm. uh, by, by delivering, yeah, uh, low-grade devices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just touched briefly on positivity of AM offering a distributed supply chain in times like this. Is there anything that we can learn from this crisis, particularly in our industry where speed of manufacture, disrupting traditional supply chains and so on are kind of our bread and butter? Well, uh, I think the, uh, the positive contribution of the 3D printing industry in this corona crisis uh, will hopefully be an, an, an accelerator once the crisis is over to use it also in the sustainability context. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we have this now short-term threat, but we, we have the, the long-term threat of, of uh, yeah, the climate impact and social disturbance uh, because the, yeah, 
the way some people have are being yeah either treated very well by life or treated very poorly in some of the developing countries um, is is something we have to resolve mm -hmm. and that's uh, a long-term crisis that we have to tackle and uh, I think that that 3d printing can play an as constructive role in this long-term challenge uh, where sustainability is the answer uh, than in this short-term corona crisis but the corona crisis is, is a kind of yeah prototyping project I might call it <laughs> uh, for what we need to do in the long term okay and so looking to the future then for our last question we opened this podcast talking about the origins of materialize in the past 30 years can you take a look into your 3D printed crystal ball and give us any insight into what the next 10 years may look like? Uh, yeah, I, I want to come back to a few of the topics we discussed already. Eh? Mm -hmm. I see a gradual growth in the framework of the slow uh, revolution. I see a widening of the meaningful applications and a growth in the meaningful applications but not at the level that that some people are claiming that this business will now again for the 10 time in its history in, explode in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, if that would happen, that would be very fine. But my understanding of how everything has developed up to now clearly indicates it's going to continue step by step. Mm -hmm.